celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Tall Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora everyone. So at just 19 years old, Dylan Schmidt not only became New Zealand's first ever athlete to compete in the trampoline at the Olympic Games, he also became our first finalist, taking home seventh in the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. Taking major strides in the field, Dylan earned himself and his country a bronze medal at the 2020 Tokyo Games, a historic moment for New Zealand, marking it the first ever Olympic gymnastics medal. Pretty sweet. As an Olympic ambassador, he has dedicated his time outside of training to actively inspire young Kiwis and adults by visiting schools around the country, uh, sharing his sporting journey and encouraging everyone to embrace a healthier, active lifestyle. To add another string to his bow, uh, he was a castaway contender on the sixth season of the celebrity Treasure Island of New Zealand, where he raised, I believe it was $10,000 for your chosen charity of Special Olympics New Zealand. So with a full-on life ranging from intense training to compete at the Olympics or extreme competition during celebrity Treasure Island, to advocating and spreading education across New Zealand schools. It's a great pleasure that I welcome you to our Tall Poppy Talk. So how are you this morning? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, just um, finished off on the gym. So squeeze this in and then I'm um, off to training. Crikey. And um, we'll get straight into it then because, again, appreciate your time. How would you define yourself outside of outside of uh, trampolining? What other hobbies and stuff do you get up to? Um, I'm just a pretty normal, um, I guess, Kiwi bloke, Kiwi guy. Um, and love the outdoors, love hunting and fishing and um, just being outside. Just that general sort of laid back Kiwi, I guess, lifestyle of barbecues, you know, enjoying the summer and going forward driving and uh, just really having a good time. Just trying to, uh, I guess, for me, it's really getting out of the city um, and yeah, just getting out outside and, and that sort of thing. So it's pretty much how I describe myself, I guess. I like that. Um, in terms of hunting, I'm not huge into hunting myself, but is there like, do you use bow, rifle? Like what's your specialty? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I use a rifle mainly. Okay. Yeah, I do. I did buy a bow recently actually, but um, I'm trying to master that craft before I take it uh, out out in the field for live action. Don't want to don't wound any animals, you know? want to be yeah. uh, pretty proficient at it before I, I try that because it's uh, definitely a lot more challenging. Oh, for sure. From what I understand, it's almost like meditation. You have to be so yeah. calm and focused. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's sort of what I'm using for a little bit. So it's, it's been fun. Watch that yeah. space then. Um, yeah. Okay, throw it back a little bit. Just kind of want to talk about your experience prior, because we all know you as the Olympian, right? But we're throwing it back. I know in 2014 was when you won gold at the Summer Youth Olympics and then yeah. silver at the 2016, I guess it's, test event from what I understood prior to that yeah as an outsider looking in I see that success and I'm assuming you've got to be pretty confident I know that's probably not how it always felt for you but can you kind of explain for for all of us the feelings and thoughts you had when you found out you were going to be competing back in 2016 Rio yeah that was a pretty big moment for me in my career, I guess, I sort of, yeah, come off the back of a pretty good junior career. Well, I finished my junior career really, really strong. Uh, obviously, gold in 2014 uh, Youth Olympics and then kind of went straight to world champs for my first senior event that same year in 2014. 
I came 15th and really sort of, I guess, transitioned from a junior to a senior and, and showed that I could, you know, still um, be up there with the, with the top guys. So coming 15th and then the next year was, was 2015 so that was qualifying for the for the olympics for 2016 so that was all, all kind of happened very quickly and i was only 18 uh, and yeah the system to qualify was a little bit different for 2016 so had a had a pretty decent um uh, sort of world cup circuit uh, in 2015 kind of getting in into it with the seniors and then at world champs i came ninth which was frustrating because if i came top eight i would have automatically qualified oh wow yeah, so that was, and it was a bugger because I didn't do my best routine, so a little bit frustrating, but then I knew I had to go to the test event, as you alluded to earlier, and, and go to go to Rio and try and qualify that way, which was the last chance to qualify. Yeah, had a few back issues, had, um, yeah, some really, I guess, a challenging time, like, even for me, competing at, at the test event was a, was a bit of a, well, even getting to the onto the trampoline was a struggle, so... To get there and compete and to come second, um, and instantly I knew I'd qualified, so I could get on oh, the trampoline. Or once my score came up, I, I knew. So, yeah, it was just a huge relief um, knowing that I was good enough and knowing, you know, all the I guess hard hardships I'd sort of faced to get there, and and having uh, you know the people around me that, that were there, um, you know, supporting me along the way. So, sort of share in the moment was pretty cool as well. Oh, get in. So, yeah, qualifying was was huge for me and you kind of mentioned it there how you were not struggling but a little bit tough to even get on to the tramp and uh in an interview I found you were talking about how leading like right into Rio like even when you were there maybe some concerning injuries or tweaks and things you were feeling and as an athlete obviously you want to compete you as you said you put in all that work to get there but you also want to invest in your body long term so yeah. Can you provide some insight as to maybe what discussions you're having, your coach, your support staff before competing when you're not feeling a hundred percent physically? Yeah, well, leading into the test event, I didn't know why my back was so sore, but turns out I'd slipped the disc some at some stage. So I got home and sort of had to get that fixed and didn't have surgery or anything, but just did a lot of strengthening. And then um between then and yeah, basically, as soon as I got back to the test event, oh, I had my appendix removed as well, which wasn't fun. Um, so I oh. had, yeah, had been aside of surgery and then was just trying to get back into training and get things moving. And um, and yeah, the back was still was still niggling me um, at the games as well. I actually missed the opening ceremony because, yeah, my back was just too sore. So in terms of the conversations with my coach and support staff, it was just really just managing the injury. Like I wasn't not going to compete. Um so that was never really a, never really any, never really a, an option, option I guess. Was <laughs> yeah. to, unless unless I literally couldn't walk, um, but yeah, I was I was there and I was I was prepared to do what what everything it took to kind of get on the trampoline and and luckily yeah the medical and um, and stuff like that really looked after me and sort of got moving again and managed to again like the test event sort of feel good enough to jump yeah oh wow and I guess that alludes to there's a quote I really like from you um I think it was when you did a video with the New Zealand team and you said it's not going to be fun it's a mission when you head into Tokyo games I don't know if you recall saying that but 
I'm saying that now. <laughs> yeah, I, I found it. Um, how did the experience change or maybe leading mm. into Rio versus Tokyo? I know that's a really broad question, but... That was a pretty, pretty easy question to answer, to be honest. Like, leading into Rio, obviously, a lot of unknown, a lot of excitement. It's first time, you know, very young. It's pretty cool to be a part of the team. Um, no one really knows who you are, so you're just trying to meet people and everyone's being really friendly and you're just there and you're training and you're enjoying the food hall and you're walking around and it's just a pretty crazy event in general. Um, and obviously, you know, there was Zika virus, but, you know, it wasn't nothing like COVID. So it was free. We could walk around. We could go out. We could do, you know, we go to sightseeing, whatever, if we wanted to. We could go watch other people's events. And it was really like, this is what the Olympics is like. But going into Tokyo, I knew, we all knew that it was going to be nothing like the last one. It was going to be um, very strict, very just, you know, get in, get out sort of thing. So I guess probably that's where the quote came from. Like, it's not exactly going to be a fun um, Olympics because it's not going to be like any other Olympics. You're not going to have the social um, side of it. You're not going to have the, the party afterwards where you can go and watch other people compete and hang out and, and enjoy it. Yeah. So I sort of, guess I took that mindset into Tokyo where, you know, this is just a job I'm getting in to perform um, and yeah, it's a mission, I guess. Yeah. So it was, it was my mission to get on the podium. So I guess that sort of mindset, but I'll definitely take a different mindset into Paris because knowing, you know, the world and Paris in 2024, it's going to be a lot more like Rio. So I'll yeah. definitely have a bit more fun. Yeah. Well, and interesting too, I suppose, for you, and maybe you found that out more when you came back to New Zealand, how many people got joy watching, like even people who didn't typically watch the Olympics. It was something for everyone to do because of COVID in particular. I mean, you have your avid sports people who are going to be watching regardless, but the hype that it got, and especially you were paving the way in a whole new field that typically, from what I understand, it's um maybe like French, Canadian, Japanese, Chinese, Russian, like we haven't really had a presence of... New Zealand is in that sport ever and so for you to suddenly spark it I remember catching the news the first time I was like whoa you know it's like I didn't know we did that reminds me of when Rob Bedell for rowing back in like the 2000s Sydney Olympics suddenly we start rowing and now here we are in like Tokyo we have a huge presence so it's kind of exciting that you're at the forefront of what's probably just going to continue to grow and grow and it kind of leads into my next question it's sweet because it sounds like um, you're aware of the, not the pressure of it, but I would be in this situation like, oh, feeling some pressure and expectation, but it sounds like you've got a really good hold on it. And obviously everything's comes comes down to 30 seconds, right? On the tram. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of pressure. And I just kind of wanted to ask, and maybe you could explain a little bit about not only how you keep yourself calm and focused because you're executing really particular moves, but how your family and your support system help when you're approaching the tramp and you've got 30 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just firstly lead off with, as I definitely do feel pressure and <laughs> it's been a huge like learning curve over my whole career to be able to cope under the pressure and sometimes I still don't, you know, sometimes it, um, it can be, you know, pretty, pretty challenging and pretty tough. So it's definitely something, a skill that I'm getting, getting down and, and nailing. And I guess that's sort of what, what all of us high performance athletes are trying to do, but it's, yeah, it is, it is tough, but 
I think I've got a pretty good um, pretty good hold on it now. And I'm obviously in Tokyo, um, felt pretty good. So basically, I put all my focus on knowing I've done the work before I get there um, and being honest with myself and, and knowing that, you know, I can honestly say that I've done everything I can to be in the best position possible to perform at my best. And then knowing that if it doesn't come off, um, it's okay. I'm, I'm happy with my performance sort of based on the work that I've done to get there. Cause I know that, you know, um, and like most sports, sometimes it just doesn't happen on the day. It's, it's hard to, um, to get it right when it counts. Uh, obviously that's what you train for, but yeah, you've got, you got the Olympics once every four years or whatever. And as you said, you know, I've got 30 seconds in those four years to, to kind of nail it. And sometimes, you know, it just doesn't happen. So I think knowing that I loved getting there and I loved the journey and the process of working hard, training hard, doing everything I can, um, trying to be the best I can be. Um, you know, obviously you've got to have days where you're, where you're relaxing and you're maybe not as, you know, serious and I'm, I'm not going to say I'm up at five every morning, um, you know, sort of, you know, just, and I'm um, not like obsessed um, as I used to be, but but definitely knowing that I've I've put in the hard yards and, and I can fall back on that um, when I'm competing. And yeah, like I said before, just if it doesn't go my way, um, it is what it is. It's just one of those things. Yeah, it sucks, but you know, it's, you, you can't control, um, sometimes you just can't control control those things. And, and yeah, my, I've got an amazing support network. I've got an amazing team here, high performance and, and, um, and sort of been broader and beyond as well with my coach and, and all that. And then obviously my family, my mum and dad and um, friends and family, you know, everyone's pretty amazing. So, I mean, kind of sounds a bit like, a, well, I'm not, not that I don't care. I obviously care and I obviously am there to win, but if I don't win, I can still come back and have a beer with the boys and they don't give a shit. So yeah. <laughs> well, they don't care. You know, like I can still come back and, and I've got my life here where um I can just relax and play golf and go hunting and um so if anyone's uh pissed off, it's me, no one else really. And I know that. I I, I know that I generally know that the people around me don't aren't too bothered. Yeah. It it sounds like Sort of like if, uh, if you're baking a cake, right? And winning is the cherry on top. You want to enjoy the whole cake and not, not like you said, not that you don't care if the cherry is not there, but loving yeah. the process, loving every part of it and not relying on that final result. But then when you get it, it's pretty sick. Yeah, it is. And it feels bloody good. But it's also, I think, something that's helped me a lot, um, you know, on the come down of big events. Um, sometimes after the Olympics, I mean, I can't speak from personal experience, but I do know that there is that sort of lull and, oh, is that it sort of thing? Um, which is a weird thing to, to say, but it does kind of feel like, huh, is that, was that it? Like, you know, I've spent four years training and then if it doesn't go your way, it can really derail you. Um, but I think if you, yeah, if you, if you can kind of go back and look back at the journey and go, well, but look at all those good times I had at training, like laughing, pushing, pushing myself, doing the hard yards um, to get to that moment. If you can kind of look back at all those memories and not just the memory of the Olympics, because the Olympics is such a small moment in, in, in an athlete's journey. Um, it helps with kind of 
I guess, being a bit more holistic and, and not getting too down on yourself if it doesn't go your way. Because, yeah, yeah life, life's, you know, sometimes life just doesn't go your way. So, yeah, so, yeah you can mourn and be upset about it. But I think should, yeah, everyone should still be proud of, of even getting to the Olympics in general. And is that, I guess you had a decent amount of time to think about that when you were in MIQ after Tokyo, kind of yeah. pondering on it. Um, and you alluded to this already, your expectations heading into Paris. Seems like a long ways away, but it's not in terms of athletics. You've got three years long, to prep for it. Yeah. What are you looking forward to? You kind of mentioned some of it, but what are you looking forward to heading into that one? Oh, I just can't wait, like, going to be you know it's in paris uh europe it's going to be cool it's going to be hopefully friends and family there um yeah, definitely my family and my mates were supposed some of my mates were supposed to come to are uh, supposed to come to tokyo so hopefully they can sort of make it work and come to paris i think just having having you run around and having the crowds and the atmosphere and and i think europe's going to be cool because the people there's going to be you know i think there's going to be a lot of people um, which i'm excited for uh, obviously just you know the actual competition itself uh, I'm there to win so that's exciting for me you know having a chance to win um, and just perform again and and feel that pressure because I, I, I've only felt I've, I've only really felt a certain level of pressure in Tokyo um, okay. you know, I mean even in Rio I was I have felt the pressure but not as much as I did in Tokyo and it's a it's a feeling you just can't emulate. So I'm excited to feel that again. Um, because it's pretty crazy. It's weird how the body how the body works, but it's a pretty cool feeling. I it sucks, but it's it's awesome at the same time. Um, so yeah, excited to compete. Excited to just you know put myself out there and give it my all. And then and then obviously just the atmosphere after comp. I'm just I'm looking forward to going back um, to that. So after after Tokyo, we just had to come straight home. But I'm looking forward to staying in Europe. Uh, watching everyone else compete, uh, watching other Kiwis do do amazing things, and um, and just yeah, I mean, it'd be pretty pretty nice to have a couple of beers after as well. Yeah. Can you emulate the feeling, like the pressure in training? Is there any way no. to mock it? No. no. You can't even feel it at World Champs. It's not the same. You know, it's just, it's completely different. Yeah. And when can you kind of talk me through when? You're competing there. Do you see your competitors compete, or can you? Like, what do yeah. what do you do? You yeah, you're do, out on the floor with them. Yeah. Oh wow. Do you like watching them? Or? I don't mind. I I, I I wouldn't say I intensely stare at their routines, but I'll watch it in my peripheral and I'll kind of zone out while I'm watching it. But I'm not analyzing what they're doing. I'll just be like, oh, yeah, it's a nice routine. You know, I'm not. I probably won't really watch the ones before me too much. I'll be kind of like doing my little warm-up routine thing, but yeah, I don't really mind. Um, I guess as you get older, you sort of realise you can't control what other people are doing, so you just got to focus on yourself, and watching them is not going to change anything. And sometimes, you know, if they do a really good routine, it can put man, puts a bit more pressure on, but you go, oh, I actually need to, I need to hit this one, so it's kind of exciting as well. Yeah, almost like admiration, mm. like, oh, that was nice. All right, watch yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They train just as hard as me, or maybe not. But who knows? They train really hard. So, um, and we're all great mates. You know, we're all pretty friendly with, with each other. So, um, we all know it's a pretty tough sport. So, when someone does something and hits a good routine, it's 
yeah, I'm happy for them. Well, I still want to beat them, but <laughs> you respect them, but you'd res- you want to beat them too. I like that. Um, okay, I kind of want to delve into a different topic: tall poppy syndrome. Mm. How would you describe it? Um, I'd say, yeah, it's a tough one because, like, for me, it's it's more more people almost don't realize how much hard work it goes into getting to where I am and then just think that I'm just naturally talented, which, you know, some would say I am, but um, really not knowing how much work goes into being at the top of your sport or at the top of any anything that you do. Um, and just because, you know, we're sacrificed, we're, we're, we're willing to sacrifice you know, the time and the effort and the hardships to get there. Um, doesn't mean that we're arrogant and cocky and, like, think we're the best and think we're better than everyone. I completely do not feel that way at all, but that's, I guess, where it comes from is people that maybe haven't um, given something their all or just living a, quote-unquote, normal life. Um look at people who are succeeding and doing well and and think that we almost got it handed to us um which is pretty frustrating because it's definitely for most of us it's not like that at all you know we work our asses off to get to where we are and we're putting in the hours and putting in the work and we're you know eating right and we're doing all those things um so it's definitely not i think as i've got older i've definitely just blocked it out a lot more um I don't feel like I feel I don't feel like it's as prominent as potentially it was it's definitely still there a little bit but yeah it's just one of those things where it seems like yeah it seems like it's just sort of almost unconscious you know almost people aren't really trying to but it's just a a weird feeling that they have and um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. It sounds from like what you've said and what I've heard from other, especially in athletics, like you said, to get to the point where you're competing, you want to know you've done everything you can do, right? So maybe as you've gotten older, you know that you've put in the work to get that successful. You're the first person to do what you've done for New Zealand in the sport of trampolining. So, and that. I think it's pretty positive just naturally you're role modeling to people that you can create your own path and maybe challenging some of those powerhouse other countries that have more resources, whatever it might be. Um, you've trained every day for years from a young, young age. I read that your siblings also were in the sport. So the whole family was invested and I won't say that takes a lot of willpower, but it's hours and hours every single day before maybe you start to yield some results. So I'm, I don't know, maybe have you felt the impact of tall poppy syndrome? But a more kind of positive question is, like you said, if people are maybe unconsciously doing it, how do you reckon we challenge that? Is it we have conversations like this or maybe we just kind of empathize and respect that other people have worked really hard to get where they are? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's such a hard hard one because, I mean, I think a lot of it is just the person as well, maybe how, how they're brought up, but answer your um first question i think was 
was it how to have I dealt with it or have I felt yeah I mean I used to definitely just I was like I'll just not say anything about my achievements you know I'd say I'd just be like whatever you know I'm, yeah I'm okay yeah I'd be traveling I went to worlds yeah I had a good time I, I competed well I did well um you know just kind of just keep it low-key um which I guess is kind of my personality anyway um but I think over the last especially before Tokyo I really embraced that was kind of like pre maybe Rio a little bit post Rio um where I kind of cared about what people thought about me and I was like really I guess self-conscious that people I didn't want to come off come across as arrogant or didn't want people to think I was you know thought I was better than them because you know it's just that natural that kind of energy that some people have yeah um when you say something and they're like oh, you just think you're fucking better than me or whatever um but honestly post yeah pre-tokyo i made a conscious effort to um be really outspoken about how confident i was um that i'm putting in the work that i'm there to win um i'm not afraid to say that i'm good enough you know like i'm not afraid to like be like yeah i can i can win um which is funny because I, I i said that in so many interviews like because i made a conscious effort with you know people i was working with kind of formulate language that would kind of be like yeah you know so i think in, in all my interviews I, they said you know, what are your goals and i'm like well i'm there to win yeah that's that's you know what i need to do and i and you know, and i'm good enough to win um and i'm and i know i'm i know i can do it and then when I got the bronze medal, everyone was like, whoa, like, you must have been so surprised. You must have been shocked. And I was like, sometimes I had to bite my lip a little bit and say, no, I wasn't. Like, I knew I was good enough. Anyone around me knew that I, that was definitely well within my grasp. And I'm not going to, like, I'm, I know people don't follow trampolining and they aren't really invested in my career, which is fine. So for them, it was a shock, which is great. I love that. I love that people were like, oh, this is awesome, you know. I can't believe this trampoline has just won a medal for us. Um, but for me, it was, yeah, almost like, mm, bugger. Like, I'm stoked, absolutely stoked. But I knew I could have done better. I knew my routine wasn't as good as I could have done. Um, obviously, wrapped with the bronze. But to, to say, for people to just assume that I was shocked um, no. and surprised and didn't think I would have done that was like kind of almost like, yeah. A little bit frustrating, but you kind of just bite your tongue and and, and it's fine because everyone's really happy and supportive and and um and just stoked for me. So yeah, I think that's probably actually the weird thing was post post the middle, everyone that I talked to was stoked for me, really happy, um, seeing genuine about it. So um that was pretty cool. Oh wicked. And I guess to your point, I know that after Rio, you came back in 2017. There was an injury mixed in pretty soon thereafter, but you're actually hitting personal records coming right off Rio. So for you, even leading into Rio, it's like I've been doing this for years and years and years. Got to King's College, right? With a with a sporting opportunity there. And so for you, this long-term vision's been on the train. So that's really interesting to imagine because I was one of those people that's like, oh well, awesome. Okay. I didn't know, I didn't know we did that. But for yeah. you, you're like, it's been on the agenda for a while. So I'm looking forward to Paris. Oh, yeah, oh, me too. <laughs> um, and thank you for sharing that. I know for some people who are going to struggle with it if, in general, sounds like 
maybe your positive dialogue was backing yourself and part of that came from having successes but do you think most of that was like a mental conscious decision of like now nah, I know what I've done and I'm gonna back myself pretty much like I think as you get older you kind of realize that people's opinions don't really matter that much if they're not close to you and I know that I'm a good person and I know that the people around me know that I'm you know not just some arrogant little you know kid that thinks he's better than everyone um so for me it was like I don't care what people think um this is how I feel this is the conversations I've had with my team um everyone knows that I've put in the work that are close to me so if I can't if I can't verbalize that if I can't say that out loud then do I even believe it you know like do I even believe that I'm good enough so um, I think holding back is, I mean, to your point about tall poppy syndrome, um, potentially stems from people that are succeeding holding back um, because they feel like they're going to be attacked from it for it. Um, but yeah, I just really don't care. I eh? like if people think people can think what they want to think about me, but I know I have really, really strong values, and I know deep down that I'm not whatever they think I might be. Um, and um, yeah, as I said before, I'm just not afraid to to say my goal is to win the Olympic Games. You know, like it's I may never get there. It's like pretty pretty high chance that I'm not going to win. I know that um, it's it's not easy, but well, I'm going to give it my best shot. And and if, yeah, as I said, kind of just 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 then, like if you can't say it out loud, um, even if you believe it internally, saying it out loud really makes it more real, more tangible. Um, kind of makes you feel a bit kind of makes you feel like yeah instead of kind of holding it back and, and just keeping it within your tight team yeah um it's just creating that language I guess from the outside looking in so you know people know I mean obviously I've, I've medaled at Tokyo now so people are going to be expecting me to get another medal in Paris um but you know it's got to, I'm, I'm, I'm I love that like I'm embrace that you know people are going to you know, oh, middle chance, you know, whatever. Um, cool. Yeah, no, I am. You like, you know, like it's, I, to me, to me, to me, it's exciting. And yeah. people can, people might take that the wrong way. Um, but they're not in the gym with me every day. They're not on the trampoline seeing what I do. They're not, you know, seeing that hours I put into recovery and injury management and you know all that sort of stuff. So it's so much happens to get to the games and. You know, it's yeah, it's thirty seconds to all of that for thirty seconds of work. Um, to me, it's just super exciting. So, and I'm, I'm proud of. I guess I'm just proud of of the work that I've done. So, I love that, and I think that that's what positive messaging we can share is allowing people to say, "This is what I want to do." You share your yeah. dreams. You're working hard for your dreams, and it allows others to join that journey with you, and maybe inspire them to pursue what they're doing, which is kind of the goal of what I'm trying to spread is yeah. like you said I like that be proud of what you've done because you should be and not have to be like oh it's all right no like it's yeah it's such cool. a weird like when you feel like you have to say that like you shouldn't you shouldn't have to feel like that you should be like if you, you should say if something I mean especially people close to you you should be like yeah man I'm I want to like play you know I don't know I want to play at Coachella one day 
and your mate should be like, hell yeah, like, yeah. that's me, you know, like, not like, that's, that's stupid, like, you're never going to do that kind of thing, so definitely, cool. um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one, but if, you, if you're surrounded by the right people, then I think you'll be all good. Yeah, I mean, once you start to see greatness, I mean, you're probably surrounded by a lot of pretty incredible athletes. You see what others yeah. doing, pushes you to do something yourself. Um, and a bit of a segue, but Celebrity Treasure Island, like what got you to put, I mean, that's a complete different kettle of fish. So I wanted to ask you about that. Um, yeah, look, what... I just, I've always been um, someone that sort of takes opportunities when they pop up and um, I think it's served me well in my life, so. Yeah, look, honestly, got a phone call, got the opportunity and had a conversation with the team and my coach and, yeah, just went for it, I guess. Um, I, I kind of thought, why not? <laughs> I'm not going to have an opportunity to do this in the next few years. Um, you know, it's kind of the only time that would work with, with training and, and Paris build up and stuff like that. So I just kind of said, oh, well, who, you know, who gets to do this? Uh, and honestly, I don't regret it at all. I had a great time. I made some amazing friends. Um, I mean, yeah, it was an incredible experience, I think. I'm so stoked out of it. Um, had just an absolute blast. Yeah. That's wicked. The, obviously, the cause is all brilliant. Um, yeah. Parody, all these things. Um, I did want to ask, though, in terms of competing, you're used to competition. Was it a bit hard case competing with people from all sorts of different genres was it yeah yeah it was a little bit i tried to keep it pretty mellow i was fiercely intense when i was competing but um yeah a couple of the challenges and stuff like that i i was like ah, i'll um i was trying to you know get ron on my side and things like that so it was it was it was hard to kind of be in a team uh with some you know everyone's trying to do the puzzles and whatnot and I'm very much used to doing things by myself. So, um, yeah, it was fun. It was a cool experience. Like we, we, everyone in there was super competitive and we were all trying to win food. So, um, but it was cool to kind of, yeah, I mean, have that different sort of competition, especially in that elimination with Eds where it was actually one-on-one. -on -one. Um, that was pretty exciting. It was, yeah, I love that. So. Nice. And um, when you get the chance to go around to schools and talk to kids and stuff, do you find they talk more about trampolining or now is it Celebrity no. Treasure Island? Yeah, no, it's all Treasure Island, eh? Which will die down, obviously, when the show, you know, in the next like, year or so. But it's definitely Treasure Island chat. They love it. They just want to know who wins. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I can't tell. can't tell that. <laughs> but, no, no it, it's, it's funny. They, they definitely love it. It's, a, it's definitely a It's a new talking point as well, um, especially yeah, with, with schools and and, and and all that sort of stuff so overall i think it was yeah good good for me and good for my i guess my image uh, and just getting my name out there again a bit more yeah oh and okay, i got one more question totally left field but um if you could have one meal forever final not final meal but you can only eat one thing you got to factor in training only eat, only eat one thing forever yeah uh like, can it be a meal? Like, yeah, yeah. I had someone, um, Nikita Howarth. I asked her, and she said a burrito with a side of dumplings. And I said that's cheating. That's two meals. That's cheating, that's two meals. <laughs> I would have uh just your stock standard like 
well, I'd, eat, I'd have venison, so red meat, venison um, with smashed potatoes. Yeah. And like a side of, you know, broccoli or carrots, you know, like a standard kind of like veggie beans. That's a very like. well balanced meal. Yeah, right. well, I mean, it was the last meal, it was the only meal we have for the rest of your life. You want it to be well balanced, don't you? So, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's what I'd have. Okay, you heard it here. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you're packed, so you've got training sandwiching both of this. So really appreciate it. Love Thanks the positive good. attitude you bring to it. Good luck with training. And we'll Thank see you. what see what happens in the next couple of years. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much no for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube and the website. Thanks for today's guest and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Be kind.